Hello, human being. Is your mind bored? Do you think about the same things every day? Then listen to The End of the World with Josh Clark, a 10-part podcast series that explores whether humans will survive the next 100 years. It takes you to amazing places, from a black hole as it grows inside the Earth, to the far future where we've shed our bodies and uploaded ourselves onto servers. It's an adventure for your mind. All 10 episodes of The End of the World are ready to binge now for free on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. It's always good to be introduced. It's always good to have great guests on your show that... uh they're the game changers. That's the two people I'll be interviewing in a minute. Let me set up the stage. Let me set up the platform. You're listening to Money Making Conversation. I am the host of this show. Um, this series is a talk show series that uh, about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That is because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals through your planning and committed effort. My guests on Money Making Conversation have the same passion and they share that information when we talk about their career, motivation, what they are promoting, how they live a balanced life, and their secrets to success. Uh, it's really uh, great, you know, it's the start of a new year. 2020, uh, we always know in the first quarter people have these goals or these New Year New Year resolutions to change, to lose weight, to be better parents, to be better people, to to save money, to, to make money. But it all starts with a plan. These are just goals. These are just dreams. But you have to be consistent with your plan. The young power couple, they are very consistent with their goals and very, uh, very articulate in how they're changing the world. They're true entrepreneurs, and on the show today to talk about several of their enterprises. There are many. They are the co-creators, and this is something new, co-founders of Fragrance Line for men and women. You know I got to talk about that. Rishon always likes to smell good. Sprinkle of Jesus, which is the number one Christian mobile app with over 5 million users. Curl Bible, which is the number one black-owned online beauty supply distribution store. And Jumping Jack Tax, the fastest-growing tax preparation service company in the country. See, I, I lay it out there. They number one across the board. Bam, 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 bam. Please welcome back to Money Making Conversation, my girl, Dana Chanel, and my boy, Prince Donnell. What's up, team? Dana and Prince. How y'all doing? How y'all doing, Hello, DNP? Good morning. How are you? DNP, DNP. How y'all doing? You literally give us the most exciting introduction we've ever heard. So thank you for that. You are so good at what you do. Well, I'm telling you something. You guys are good at what you do. You know, I recently had Prince on the show. And I, and I wanted to just uh, thank you guys. I gave him some information. I think I told Prince about the success when you, when you guys came down to the HBCU week that was in Wilmington, Delaware, September 20th of last year. Um, you know, with that college fair where you were speaking at, Dana, um, they had on-the-spot registration for HBCU schools, and they registered 1,200 students. And, wow. And uh, over 427 received scholarships, full and partial, that totaled $3.9 million. Wow. That's 
that level of participation, you you have to take credit. You were there. You know, your, your time was there. Your time was spent. Prince was there doing his thing, motivating, talking. Uh, I remember you guys sat down and had the conversation with Stephen A. Smith about what, what what you guys are trying to do. And it's always, you're always, the both of you guys are always moving forward to inspire people. I want to hear from you first, Dana, and then Prince, I want you to share your vision on moving forward. What What, what drives that inspiration? I mean, the goal is to move forward together. You know what I mean? I just feel like there are so many, you know, all, we're all about family business and we're all about family generational wealth. And, and the goal is for us to continue to inspire that one person in the family who's the chosen one. Because at the end of the day, we know that our message is not for everyone. We know that everyone's not called to be an entrepreneur. We know that everyone's not called to be a leader. But if our message and, and if we could just get it out to that specific chosen person and your family and their family and the families across the country, then we can rise them up to the you know, accountability and the responsibility level that they need to have in order to change the next generation of their family. And so when it comes to business, there's just so many hidden talents and just extraordinary things that each individual family member could do, but there was just never that one person that could pull it all together right. for them to do it for each other instead of doing it for a corporation who could care less what responsibility you have. And you are just a number. You are just a, you know, you're just a, you're just a person that at any point in time they can let go. And so for us, our vision behind all of our companies is literally creating an opportunity from licensing to, um, with jumping jack tax to um, distribution for getting people's products out there. But what's most important is that we are, we're able to do it together. And Don and I have quickly found like <laughs> what we're both individually really good at. And mm-hmm. then together it's like we have absolutely no weaknesses. And so um, our recent project that we came out with was co-founders, which is a his and her fragrance. Um, they're two completely different scents. Um, and the goal behind it was, Dude, you have no idea how much love and support we've gotten from, like, social media. Like, people always, and especially, like, older people, too, they're like, oh, my gosh, social media is the enemy, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's the devil's <laughs> playground. But it also is a breeding ground of purpose right. and extraordinary, like, love right. when you're using it in the right way. And right. from the beginning, since me and Don have started dating, right. like, literally so many people have been so supportive. So we just kind of wanted to put it in product form. A, It's called co-founders um, because we believe that every family business, every family unit starts with its co-founders. Well, great. Prince, your turn, my man. It's kind of challenging to follow up from there, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I let the headliner go first now. Let the headliner go first. (laughs) That's the benefits of of being with an extraordinary woman. So uh, I think that uh, she summed it up correct, is is that we are the co-founders of our family and We've been using this term more and more over the past few months. I think that when me and Dana first originally started our brands, it was separate. You know, she had her her own separate brand and what she was selling, and then I had my own separate brand and what I was selling because we were trying to build individually. But now we've come to realize uh, over these the course of these past six months that everything that we do together in a sense of promotion, in a sense of putting our minds together from a business standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, knowing how to run the company from a corporate perspective, uh, when we put it, like how to lead our teams effectively, that when we put our minds together, 
we just truly can't be stopped. And, and we're believers. We're, we're believers that you know uh, that our business will only go as far as the bond that we have with each other. And so we lean on each other, and we understand our weaknesses. We understand our strengths, and we we, we play our lane and play our position. And that. ultimately, what keeps I don't know, you know, Dana gave her perspective, but what keeps me going is that um, I believe that I, it, it sounds cliche, but I truly have a purpose from God of understanding that uh, we're sent here on this earth with a mission, right? Like, for example, when Moses was sent here, when Jesus was sent here, when Abraham was sent here, they all had missions that they had to play. And that mission could not be, like, in no way, shape, or form, nobody could deter them from that mission. Right. They knew that they had to hit the target. Right. And even when you look at uh, animals, right, an animal, when, he's, when he or she is on this earth, has a mission to either mate, to hunt, and to reproduce, like, reproduce. And they follow that mission to the T. Humans make it complicated. <laughs> so, for me, I'm just trying to get to the point to where... I'm not trying to complicate my life, right. but focusing in specifically on the mission um, of what God has me here to do until it's my time to go. And uh, hopefully, I, hopefully I make him proud of, of oh, you, that. Of that, You make uh, me proud. You make me proud. And being able to do that. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm telling you, it really does. As a couple, you make me proud because in the lanes that you guys are, are changing the game, first of all, Usually it's like people over 40, you know, people my age, you know, we experienced people, you know, we know, and you guys are like telling young people. And it's important that you hear this in a positive manner. Because like I told Prince last time he was on the show, Dane, I, I went to the website and I saw all these young people on the cover, you know, and that, letting them know. And I always tell people in my conversation with them this, that your dream starts in your, in your early years, you know, when you're 19, That's 20, right. you know, you're inspired to do great things. And what happens is when people hit their 40s and 50s, sometimes those dreams are, are bent in a different direction. They might get married. They might have kids. They might if they start listening to the wrong people too much saying, hey, man, you're crazy for doing that. I remember when I left IBM to be a stand-up comic. You know how many people told me I was crazy? But look at me now. So you have to <laughs> you have to stop listening to people. And so but you guys didn't listen. Y'all y'all stayed focused because you had a family of entrepreneurship pushing you forward. That drive is what makes you successful today. Just, 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 I'm about to wrap up this break because, you know, you guys, y'all, y'all, you know, I could just say, ask one question. Y'all going to talk for about two, three minutes. That's why I love both of y'all. I don't have to work. I don't have to work when I get DNP on the phone, you know, Dana and Prince on the phone. But what I do want to make sure that people understand that Jumping Jack Taxes is the first and fastest growing tax company in the country to bring tax professional to you. Just locate a Jumping Jack partner on our mobile app. That right there, my man. It's a game changer. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit more detail because I want to also talk about the co-founders. We kind of like glossed over that because, you know, you got to ship me some cologne on here so I can smell good for the young folks. <laughs> Be back with more money-making conversation with Sean McDonald. And my favorite couple, Dana and Prince. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversation. It's tax season, and Dana and Prince created the virtual tax preparation service, Jumping Jack Tax, and the bookkeeping service software, Jack Books, to help people file their taxes and manage their business finances. On the phone is Dana and Prince. Tell me again, uh, I know Prince, you was on the show in December talking about this, Dana as well. Talk to me about exactly 
Why did Jumping Jack Tax jump off? How can you license it? And why is it growing so fast? That's such a good question. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Well, basically, I think, number one, we can all agree right now that the tax business is a universal service. Yes. Meaning that every single person across the country 100% needs their taxes done or they're going to get penalties or they're going to go to jail. Uh, Thank the government for that. So (laughs) with that being said, (laughs) we went into an industry where every single person needs their taxes done so everybody's your customer. And also when you look at it as well, when you when you walk around our communities, this is a need based business. This is something that everybody uh, everybody needs. So when I look at it, I say to myself, uh, this is a perfect business for uh, somebody that wants to go into entrepreneurship and needs a blueprint, right. or somebody that is already in entrepreneurship but looking for an additional stream of revenue, or an entrepreneur who's looking for an exit plan out of the business that they're currently in. Mm-hmm. I think taxes is the perfect opportunity. And the reason why it's jumping off the way it is with so much momentum is because we've created a blueprint. Yes. I think something that why the reason why you see so many nail salons all across the country is because they have a set blueprint in place that whoever wants to open up the nail salon that's in the Asian community can follow that blueprint to the T and just open it up. Right. But People hate complication, especially going into entrepreneurship. Um, everybody, I, I don't believe that everybody is a visionary, right? You got some people who can follow a system because remember, we were all taught to follow systems from, from, from children. You know, go to school, go to lunch, go to break, do our homework, come back to school every day, and we're doing that every single day of our, of our entire lives. So people follow systems. Very rarely do you have somebody that goes the opposite way of the system to start something, you know, creative. Right. So what we did was we wanted to create a simple system, a simple blueprint that when we license out the Jumping Jack Tax brand to you or whoever is listening to this, basically you hop on, we give you the blueprint, and you'll be able to start generating revenue right away. And that's the reason why it's becoming so popular because people are like, wow, I didn't know how simple it was for me to do this. Now, I'm not saying simplicity in the sense of you don't got to do work because with any system, you still got to work hard. Mm -hmm. But the work required to build the foundational piece of the business, that's the part that they're skipping over uh, to be able to start generating revenue. And that's what made Jumping Jack Tax super unique. I don't think that we did anything different than other tax companies. Other than the fact that we did, uh, of course, implement technology, but technology was still already around in the tax industry to begin with. Um, you have other tax companies that have way bigger, way bigger budgets for technology, but right. I think that we brought such a, a great, cool fresh perspective, perspective, a fresh and cool perspective, and we also brought the culture to the company. What do I mean by the culture? Well, when you look at a lot of other tax companies, many of them are, uh, are ran by those of the white community, Absolutely. or maybe not the white community, of other, other nationalities that are not African-American or other minorities such as Hispanic. So when we brought the culture, we now brought this vision to where the everyday person can do taxes from their home and they got a sweatsuit on and they look really cool like an everyday individual. So with that being said, it made everybody say, wow, you look just like me and you prepare taxes and generate money? I didn't know that I could do that. And now everybody is like, hey, this is this is a great opportunity for me. It really it really is because of the fact that you are, you know, the I, the young generation and you guys are the young generation. 
get such a bad rap, you know. You want to do things, you don't work hard, you know. You know, you 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 want to you want to run before you crawl. You know, but but the, I love the fact that again, you're talking to your audience, okay? And I tell you right now, that audience you're talking to, I probably wouldn't reach. I probably wouldn't reach because I'm not relatable. Because I'm there, I'm there. I look like their father. I look like their uncle. I'm, you know, you know. So, so you might go, okay. But then you, you looking at you two, attractive, intelligent, articulate couple, saying you can be me. In that same age range, 22, 23, 24, 26, I can be you. Well, how can I be you? Then you guys start talking. Then Dana start talking. And when she get tired, Prince take over. I got your baby tag team. We're going to go get this money. We're going to get paid. We're going to let these, people, these young people know they can be just like us. They can be millionaires at 22. They can be millionaires at 25. Correctly. Correctly. That is what. Absolutely. That's why I, 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 I'm so motivated when I talk to you two. Because at 22, I didn't know who Rashawn McDonald was. You know, I was, I, it took me seven years to graduate from college. So I was, I was, wow. you know, I was trying to figure it out. And then when I was, when I figured it out, I was still allowing other people to direct me. And hey, you shouldn't do yeah. that, Rishan. Ah, uh, Rishan, I don't know about that. Because what I've learned is that you cannot talk to people who cannot understand your dreams. Because you cannot talk to somebody who goes to work and realizes they want a career as a 40 hour, a 40 hour week career. Because they want, they know what they're gonna do. They know they're bank, and there's nothing negative. They know they're gonna be as a bank teller. They know what they're gonna do if they're. A chef. They know what they're gonna do if they're a truck driver or or a data management person. They know. But if you ask me what I do every day, I'm gonna really go. I don't really. I really don't feel like telling you because it's so tiring. Because <laughs> it changes every day. Isn't that correct, Dana? Yeah, absolutely. But I think there's something extraordinary that you mentioned. I would say once again, the only reason we are here. And I think this is very important to say out loud because I hate the idea of, like, everyone on social media being, quote, unquote, successful, but yet you don't know their history and not understanding where their money comes from. Because money, like, whenever you buy something, there's a receipt. Whenever you got the IRSC's money has been transferred, it needs to be taxed. Right. right. So there needs to be a clear history. Okay, how are these young stupid kids who are, like you said, how what older people call us? Um, they're so they're so stupid. They're just young. They're just running real fast. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yes. Like, how is it that they're twenty twenty five year old millionaires? And the and the answer is is because this is what happens when you build a strong foundation in the household and you mix old wisdom with young stamina. And that is the key. That's that. important. Is when you mix. Old, old wisdom. That's the title of your book, girl. That's the title of your book. given by our father an extraordinary plan. And I think that's something that we need to, to, to just remember is that the goal isn't for your kids to go figure it out, go into more debt, and then make decisions trying to look for their life when we're supposed to be starting life with 30, 40 years of experience, however old your parents are. And so when our dad looked at us and said, yo, I see your gifts and I see your talents, right? Don, you're good with numbers and you're good with finances, right? And then Dana, I see you're good with, with communication skills. And I see you're good with marketing. And I see that you're good at bringing people together for a common goal and a cause. You guys would be great. Let's actually pick a product or a service that actually is beneficial to our community. And so once again, it started with our co-founders and we were our dad's first co-founders. Right. Now, as we push the envelope and 
and we're taking on the next generation. We will be the co-founders of the next generation of the family now when my father dies. And so we are only in the tax business because there was wisdom that said, hey, this is extraordinary service that you better, you better take this over. But what happens is the reason why we're jumping so far ahead of these other companies, like I won't even say their names because they don't pay us, right, <laughs> is they're not listening to young people. No. They're not listening to us. And mind you, they're not even utilizing our, our stamina to say, yo, I got these young kids who are willing to fight for a cause and bring people together so let me use them. So once again, our lane was so open, I believe 100%. God chose us for this because he saw that our families was willing to share, share money, share information, share opportunity. And that's the only reason why we're here today is because God saw that we were a family that was going to rise up a nation of other minority families to be self-sufficient, self-reliant, and capable of making money so that we don't fall behind the eight ball when these jobs are sitting there just firing us because computers are taking over. So that's specifically why my dad gave us wisdom and we built the company. There you go. There you go. See, I'll tell you, I just love talking that's to DMP. Right. Now, let me just tell you something about this, uh, this conversation we're having. How, do, how does one reach out? How does one get in touch about becoming a part of the uh, Jumping Jack Tax platform and the uh, bookkeeping software service, Jack Books? Yeah, download the Jumping Jack Tax app. All our contact information is in there. Don't ever be afraid to give us a call. But most importantly, like, like, and I just want to thank you for such an extraordinary platform, is like, dude, we can't keep listening to inspirational content but doing nothing with what God breathes. Inspira- inspire means God breathes. And so my thing is when God breathes life into your mind, whoever's listening, whoever, whoever's watching, when God says something to you and gives you that bright idea or that very thing that says, you know what, I need to make a change, do something about it. Act on it. Stop listening to inspirational content. Stop watching it on social media, on Instagram 50 million times, and let's do something about it. We are not out here for our health. We are not out here for you to watch us, but most importantly, we're out here to make sure you can provide for your family. So please, download the Jumping Jack Tax app and support the co-founders. We're just trying to do everything we possibly can to make sure our families are good and not just ours, yours too. Now, Prince, you, uh, amen. Can I get amen right there? I got to throw, throw amen and let everybody know. You, you, you don't transition from that without saying amen or hallelujah. Now, now Prince, you got... Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to say thank you so much, and I'm so proud of what you're doing, and I'm glad that wisdom like you helps and, and put, puts their hand down to rise up young people like us, and I just want to say thank you so much. Oh, this show is so extraordinary for that, and I'm just so grateful. I'm just telling you something. It's, 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 you know, it took me a minute to figure out what Rusham... What, what my what my next step in life? I've had a tremendous amount of success in my life, but this next step, my legacy, this is my legacy journey. To be able to create this wow. platform, be able to come on here. Hey, you know, nine ninety nine gonna pop up when you click on my YouTube channel, my link. So it's about this is free information. I'm 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 fortunate to get people like you to come on my show. You know, there's no negative spirit on this show, so you can tell people, look, this is how we do it. Hard work is always tied to success. Goal planning, consistency, that's always. And now now when we've got this new fragrance line, that's what really, that's why I wanted to bring you on the show. Go, man, they stepping over there. They, step, they, they, they stepping in a smell good lane. Co-founders. On Valentine's Day, that's the launch day, Prince? Yeah, absolutely. Launch day. Yeah, launch date is uh, February 14th, 2020. Yep, 100%. Mm, 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 mm. Now, now, you got any any, any pre-order banners? Which is also one of our companies, but we wanted to 
not just, um, you know, drop the perfume and cologne line, but we wanted to show people, hey, you don't need permission. Right. You know what I mean? You don't need someone to tell you that you can do this. We are 100% the owners of the co-founder name. We're owners of, we trademarked that. We're owners of the actual product itself and um, all the content, and we're owners of the actual distribution platform. And so we're here to support support not just us, but the other people on Carl Bible, um, but 100%. Uh, we are very, very excited, and we just wanted a fragrance because it is our love and our obedience to God. And when we became co-founders and became married, we brought two families together. That right. just broke so many generational curses. Like, do you know that we were the first ever for our family, our, our little brothers and sisters, to see a wedding? Mm. In your yeah. family. We've awesome. never even seen our parents get married before. Right, so right. this is a huge thing for us, for our family, for, for, you know, for young black couples to see, yo, there's no reason to go looking for something you're not going to find, but to find purpose in your spouse. And you might as well start getting to work for God as soon as possible because your time is limited. No, no in hearing both of, you, both of you two talk, you know, there's a responsibility that comes because, you know, you're asking people to step out. And it's not, and the, the, love, the part I like is that it's not about just stepping out on faith stepping out on the plan and also you remind people there's a lot of work involved you know let's 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 not just just don't get in land line with me if you if you hoping if you hope this gonna happen <laughs> oh you know i sure hope i get some money i sure hope i get this i get some my taxes done i sure hope i can start a business with them there's a business principle that's put in place and that, that carries with a responsibility because people can follow you out there and then not realizing that there's a certain time commitment that has to be put in place. What, in saying that, Dana, what is the responsibility of being who you two are when you're out there marketing, when you're out there talking to people about being successful, that you can do it, create your own legacy within the minority community? I think the responsibility is showing ownership um, over the things that you have as opposed to what you got. I, um, I think w one, of the biggest, one of the biggest things I tell people all the time is there's a difference between what you own versus what you got, right? Yeah. right? So, and this is what we want to explain to people. This is the reason why we're going to all of these different lanes because we want to show the blueprint. Um, I'll give a clear example of what that means. Uh, when people go to college, for example, and they go and get a degree, they think that they own a degree, but what they actually got is a degree. And what I mean by that is uh, my definition of ownership is when you have the ability to sell or transfer an asset at any given time, at any given price, whenever you feel like it, right? Um, I can Because I own it. I own the name. I own the rights. Right. Now, when you got something, my definition of what you got basically means that you're holding this asset for the true owner, but at, while you're holding it, it comes with perks. Right. Right? That's, this is my mm -hmm. definition of what you got. So mm -hmm. my idea is when you go to college, right, you go to college, you get a degree, you don't own a degree, you got a degree, because if I got a degree, basically it meant that I could transfer or sell that degree to somebody else if I wanted to because I control the rules of the degree. Mm -hmm. But the university told me, no, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. They said, no, you can't do that. This is yours. You got to, somebody else got to go get it. <laughs> right. So that means you have the right to sell. <laughs> right. Um, so us, what we're trying to do is. Oh, they call that cheating. Oh, they call that cheating. Ownership. Mm-hmm. This is so awesome. we're trying to show true, true ownership and basically in the sense of, hey, own your name. Mm -hmm. Hey, own intellectual properties. Mm -hmm. Hey, own, own your ideas. Hey, own real estate. Hey, own stocks and bonds. Uh, hey, own uh, 
whatever it is that you have the ability to sell right. or transfer down to your children or to somebody else for profit or in a sense of if the economy were to collapse right now, right. do I have anything to sell to be able to transfer it for the newest asset that makes my family comfortable? What if that newest asset is rice? Because we all need rice in order to eat, but money no longer exists. Fiat money is no longer around. So now if I don't have money no more because that, that has no value. Do I have some sort of asset that I own that I can transfer now to say, hey, I need to eat. I need to take care of my family. And that's basically all we're trying to do as co-founders is just push that message that, yo, keep owning, keep owning, and keep owning. Some things that you own may not have any value. Some things that you own may collapse. Other things that you own, though, might end up increasing in value. And the more that you keep trying to own things, the more that it's going to, uh, something's going to stick that you're now going to be able to transfer and have access to to have to with your family. But I, I just preach the ownership part as opposed to people chasing the things that they got yeah. that, that, that can be taken from them at any given time. Oh, my man. We're talking, I'm talking to the creators of co-founders. Fragrance land for men and women that will drop on Valentine's Day of this year. Uh, Sprinkle of Jesus, the number one Christian mobile app with over 5 million and counting users. Curl Bible, which is the number one black-owned online beauty supply distribution store. And Jumping Jack Tax, the fastest-growing tax preparation service company in the country. They're the best. DNP, that's what I call them, DNP. Dana and Prince, DNP. <laughs> I want to uh, thank y'all for taking the time to come on the show. Make sure you owe me some banners. You owe me some information. You know how we do it on Money Making Conversation. I we, I got love for you. Let me help you spread the love of DNP, Danny Prince. Doing my thing. My, my young couple. Thank you so much. We Appreciate talk soon. Appreciate you. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com. And follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. My next guest, she contacted us. Dun, 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 because her sister said, hey, contact Rashawn McDonald. He has money-making conversation. He's the man. Well, she did. My next guest is competing on the first season of the new Food Network show, Chop Sweets. Her dream is to provide pastries and chocolates, private chef services, catering, consulting, and teaching on a grander scale. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Executive Pastry Chef Amber Kroom. Hi. Thank had you so much I, I could mess up me. your intro, Amber. I had, to, I had to slow it down. I can't do you that. Did. I had to slow it down. You know, you're coming on my show. You know, they'll edit that out. You know, they go, they'll edit that mouthful. out. It's a mouthful. It's definitely a mouthful. Good. But, you know, the thing, I got I to, gotta, you know, give you what you've accomplished. You're, and that's what this interview and what I do on Money Making Conversation, because I always tell people there are a lot of stars out there in this in the in the world of entrepreneurship, in the world of baking. Now, I'm a, I'm on the award winning baking, so I I always like you know get a little happy when I talk to other bakers, and because right. we're like in a little club, because you know I always tell people. I cannot watch TV. I cannot watch. I cannot listen to music when I'm baking because one mistake, you you it's done. It, 
It is. That's that's what's so what's so special about baking versus like savory. You know, I'm not knocking the savory, you know, chefs. You know, we love savory food, but definitely when you're baking, it's a science behind it. And you know, if you make one mistake, if you're like one teaspoon or tablespoon off of a cake or a souffle or something like that, you got to start all the way over. Like there is no, all right, well, let me see how I can fix this real quick. Nah, you got to throw it away <laughs> and start all the way over. And sometimes that's like thirty minutes to an hour you know, worth the work that you've just put yourself behind. So, you know, baking definitely is something special um, for me as well as a lot of people. I love the science behind it. Well, I'm going to tell you, I, this, I, this is how I started baking. I was an uh, executive producer and co-created the Steve Harvey talk show in Chicago and Steve Harvey in 2012. And Steve Harvey pranked me into baking. That's how I started. You know, what? Uh, this pranked me and said, and it basically daring me, I'd never baked in my life in front of a live studio audience he dared okay. me to bake a cake. Of course, I baked three cakes, and the rest is history, basically, uh, because I have a app with 80 different desserts called Perfect Bake, and uh, I'm a brand ambassador for that. That's how I started. How did you get started into the, into baking? Well, like most people um, who, you know, always say, you know, my mom is a great cook, you know. My mom really is. Um, she's an amazing cook. She's an amazing woman. And she was always in the kitchen, you know, having us try, like, all these different things. And I have to say, like, our house, especially for, like, Christmas Eve, because that's when we had our parties, was the house to go to because, you know, we're not having, like, a traditional food. She's doing duck and quail and, you know, oysters <laughs> and lamb. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That ain't and my for, house. Fried chicken. Right. You talking about ducks and quail. Exactly. Queen. And for somebody that, you know, grew up in the inner city of Birmingham, Alabama, I'm originally from the area of Titusville. You're from the ham? You know, from the ham? I'm from the ham. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am from the ham. I have to represent my magic city there you go. um but exactly being from that area you don't think that you know necessarily these are the things you're going to be having you know we were having you know like chitlins and ham and turkey and you know all that black eyed peas and collars and all those things are great please don't get it twisted but you know she definitely like opened my eyes um to this world that's out there and i remember us going to um, San Antonio for one of her work trips, and this was I'm like I think like eleven or twelve, and this was my first time t- trying escargot. You know what it was, oh, yeah. you know, and uh, this, I love this was her. This was what she did in our lives is you know give us a, a different type of palate. So watching her in the kitchen like baking, you know, all these pound cakes, you know, for these events, and you know, all this it just it made me love it, and I fell in love with it then. Even though most of the time I just watched her, right. Right. You know, we like to reap the benefits of the labor. We don't want to actually want to do the labor. Um, but she's definitely what got me into it um, in the beginning. Well, this is awesome. This is awesome talking to you. Uh, now that I know you're from the ham, Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama, you know, Birmingham, and I do eat, I'm telling you, I do eat chitlins. I do eat black eyed peas. I put my chitlins mm-hmm. over white rice. I also eat <laughs> escargot. I'm not a duck guy. I, you know, I tried it. You know, it's, it's, it's a you know, it's, it's a dark side of the meat for me, and I kind of like. It's yeah, it's it's very gamey. It's it's prepared perfectly though. It's really good, but it is a little bit you know a little bit too fatty for me. So I don't just consume it. Like I wouldn't just necessarily pick it from a menu most of the time. You know, I'll eat it off of somebody else's plate. 
But, right. you know, it serves its purpose, a really good duck fat taco. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I can get down with that. Well, you know, the whole thing about it, that's what the menu's all about. That's what that's what being able to serve different people because everybody likes, has a different uh, taste. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like Chinese food. A lot of people don't like, I know a lot of people don't like sushi. And I eat sushi. Right. I, I don't get too, too sushi-ish. You know, it's some stuff oh, you're not sushi. sashimi? You don't need the sashimi? <laughs> It's some stuff over there. I won't mess with it. Now, but you don't, but, you don't like your fish straight out the ocean. No, no, just right on the plate. I'm a California roll guy. I, I and some tempura <laughs> shrimp roll. Your boy winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. Listen, I I can't knock that because that used to be me too. I was like, yeah, I never really liked the taste of raw fish. Period. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But like I said, certain places will make it, and I'll be like, I I, I can rock with that. I can. Awesome. But yeah, you know, stick with that tempura. Those crabs. You know, the imitation crabs. <laughs> hey, 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 don't be shooting down my taste buds there. Imitation crabs. Cream cheese. Cream cheese and a little salty. I'm going to stop talking to you. I'm going to stop talking to you. See, that's when you have good people. That, I'm just trying to be old. I'm just opening my heart to you. Oh, uh, yeah, imitation no crab, huh? That's no you, huh? No I already said I don't eat duck, so you really kind of, I told you I eat chitlin. <laughs> oh, he's so country. I thought he was big time. Oh, he don't want... But I, but I'm, I, I'm country, yo. It's so funny because people talk to me and then it's like, well, you don't really have an accent. I'm like, no, nah, not really until I talk about, number one, something I love. And then I start talking fast. And then that 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 thing in the back of your voice where you just can't help but say Alabama country and you just start. And then I like talk to my friends and my family when I come back, you know, from seeing them. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend's like, I, I can't even understand you right now. Well, like, good. I, I don't even, well, I understand I don't even you. My you. listeners will understand you, too. We're talking to Amber Kroom. She's competing in the first season of the new Food Network show, Chop Sweets. Tell us about that. First of all, tell us about the show. And second, tell us how you became, I guess, a contestant on the show. Okay. Oh, man. So, you know, Chop Sweets is an amazing endeavor for them because out of, I think, the 44 or the 45 seasons that Chop has been on, I think it started in, like, 2009. You know, that's, you know, 11-plus years that the show has been on. They've maybe done three or four episodes where they feature desserts. That's right. it. Right. Out of four. And so for them to say, okay, you know, there's a market out there. These you know, these talented artists are out there and they need to be tested just like the savory chefs. Mm-hmm. And they decided to do this platform. They decided to, to give us a chance to kind of shine a little bit. And right. I'm grateful for it because, you know, as a chef who hasn't watched Chops and sat there and thought, I know what I would do. Oh, I didn't do that. That's nasty. I would have did da 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 You know, but <laughs> so you, you get there and uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's, it's not. Well, it's, it's on you now. It's it on is. you, Amber. Then somebody going to say, that's nasty. She's stupid. Boy, she nervous. Is she sweating? Yep. Why she put that together? I didn't do that. Oh, he left that off the plate. I wouldn't have left that off the plate. How you going to just leave that off the plate? It's like sitting right there. How you going to leave out vanilla extract? Who, who <laughs> leaves out vanilla that extract? You can just dissect that thing. And, you know, as a chef, that's like a pinnacle for you. You know, you really want to get on that stage and really be, you know, tested and you want to shine. So, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to do it on a pastry platform is is simply amazing. And I got on the show because um, in 2016, I actually did the Holiday Baking Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was already, like, in my, my casting company's pool of, like, chefs. Okay. And so they, they contacted me and asked me if I wanted to audition 
um, or like put in my, you know, my information and stuff to actually be considered. Mm -hmm. And that was like a week. And the next week they call me and like, hey, can you get to New York in, in a week? I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'm not working, but sure. <laughs> yeah, so it that, that process was so fast, like super, super fast. And they're like, okay, well, you know, we need you here on on that day. Can you come? And I was like, yeah, why not? Let me just drop everything to Amber, New York and um, they, be a they, part of this inaugural season. I, you know, they've uh, people have contacted me uh, to be a, con a, con a contestant on these shows, and that's not what I do. You know, I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just a fun baker. You know, I, you know, you tell me, you know, one of them judges tell me some of my stuff is dry on tape. It's going to be a different conversation. Hurt. You know, it's going to be, gonna be hurt. it's going to be a different conversation. You know, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> tell me I can't, all, you know, I got, I got fans. Everything <laughs> I post gets liked. You know, everything I post goes viral. You know what I'm saying? See, I can't go on the show and like, somebody I don't sir, even know. We, what, we, what, sir, what, we cannot bleep out the entire episode. <laughs> we can't. We can't do it. <laughs> see, see, certain people just can't get on the show. Like me, I would like they go, who booked him? See, I'd be getting the executive producer fired, the little casting agent girl be over there crying. I don't know why we booked that dude. He was so nice on the phone. Well, I don't, I don't like her. It hurt my feelings. It hurt my, hurt my feelings. feelings. It hurt my feelings out there. I'll be taking, I'll be taking my little desserts to people. They be crying. Oh, I can't believe you baked for me. And I go on that TV show. Uh, sir, your your icing's dry, and your cupcake is uh, dry too. Uh, we, and you. And they pick it through with the with the fork. I hate when they do that. When yep, they when they, they when do. they like pull it like like they surgically like my stuff ain't ain't t ain't touchable no more. Be pulling yep. the part right there. See that? How much your cupcake dry? Oh. You know, your mama, your mama dry. You know, like you automatically want to just come back and like, like you know. This. But I had to, I had to call my mom. I was like, you know, I know you're gonna watch this show, and uh -huh. you're a southern mom, so I want to apologize in advance, right, for my mouth. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't. I just want you to know, I'm sorry. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, the thing about it is that first of all, I know why you're on the show. You got a great personality. And secondly, uh, you know, I, I want you to be a friend of the show because uh, I want to follow you. This is just one step. I always tell people, you know, a lot of people, they get on TV. Oh, this is my moment. Oh, I'm going to be discovered. I'm going to be famous. Well, yes and no. You know, yeah, this, these are right. just steps. It's like you're going up a ladder. You know, you go. You just right. want to keep climbing and climbing. Nobody knows what that top step is, you know, because you always hear billionaires. They want to make more billions. So that means mm -hmm. that everybody's goal Keeps moving now. If you get to a point like Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, he wants a Super Bowl. He want he want another Super Bowl. You know, Tom right. Brady, he wants six. He wants seven. So your goal yep. is going to always keep moving forward. And, and, and on your next step, I want to talk about some of those steps that that happened way in the past. That a good step. Okay. They got you to be this very personable girl from the ham that you ate yeah. duck, you ate escargot, uh, you know, quail <laughs> eggs, all that good stuff. All in the city of Birmingham. The ham. Magic City. We'll be back more with the executive pastry chef who starred in the new Food Network show, Chop Sweets. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversation. On the phone today is a good friend of mine. I'm going to call him my friend. We, we had one good interview. We've been laughing and, you know, doing uh, the mama jokes, all kind of good stuff on this phone. And we talk about pastries and her appearance on the new Food Network show, Chop Sweets. Please welcome back to the call, Amber Chrome. Amber, now, yes. I, I'm, I, I, you know, early in my stand-up comedy career, one of the things that I did on a regular basis was perform on cruise lines. 
I've performed on the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. I've performed on the Norwegian Cruise Line. And one of the things I loved was food. Food, food, mm-hmm. food. And one of the beauties was the pastries that they gave out there. Now, you performed on a six-star cruise line called the Silver Sea in 2011. Mm-hmm. How did that help your pastry career? Ah, oh, man. Um, that that helped me in so many ways that is not necessarily just pastry, but just personally. On the pastry side of it, you know, this, this particular cruise line, you know, why I chose it is because it went around the world. Right. It, it went liter- It literally went around the entire world, and you know, I remember when I started in this industry, I sat down and I, I said, "Okay, I'm gonna do this dream board thing." You know, I, I'm, I'm just gonna do it, and I just sat there and I was like, "Okay, well, what in your wildest dreams? If money were never an option, if obstacles were never in your way, where would you want to go? What would you want to do?" And I just created this board, and in my time with Silver Sea, I literally crossed off every single place I wanted to visit in the world. Wow. And yeah, like it, it just, when I look back at it, it was just, it was mind blowing um, to be able to have this opportunity. Uh, Again, this little girl from Zidsville, this little Mm -hmm. girl from Zidsville Mm -hmm. is, you know, sitting in the Mediterranean sea, you know, making pastries, you know, sitting in Australia, making pastries and, you know, the the cruise line will test you because, you know, every night, like, you you know, you generally work six months. Um, when you're American, they only give you, like, six, four to six-month contracts. Right. Everybody else is, like, eight to nine. But it, this is an everyday thing, you know, and everybody's like, well, you didn't have a day off? Like, no, honey. Like, we worked every <laughs> single day, I know. I you know, know, for six for six months, mm-hmm. you know, and I was able, because the, the line I was on, our, our menus changed daily. So every day I was making a different type of cuisine pastry. So I'm learning how to make Indian. I'm learning how to make, you know, Asian influence. I'm learning English. I'm learning Irish. I'm learning all these different methods and all these different types of pastries Mm -hmm. that now when I make things, I I have a box to pull from where I'm not, you know, one dimensional in my creations. And that just that it teaches you time management it teaches you you know how to make quantity but not just quantity but actually making quality um things and you know it it tests you that whole no crying in the kitchen um yeah i mean i cried in the cooler a few times (laughs) 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 when it took a break when my french chef is yelling at me because i didn't know how to make a proper crepe and i remember one day they just had me standing at you know this eight eight, ten top burner with ten pans where I'm making crepes for, like, five hours. Right. Boom, boom, right. boom. Right. Like, you know, and right. then I got amazing at it, and now I'm, you know, a great crepe maker. But, you know, in that environment, you're either going to thrive or you're going to fail. Right. And that's your choice. Right. You know, that's your choice as to how you're going to take this experience. It's not just about being able to travel the world. This place tested who I was and built me. You know, to where a lot of times I look in the kitchen now and, you know, a lot of people are so sensitive and so soft because you got to work like nine hours. I'm like, boo, I was 16 hours in the kitchen. Come on, let's go. Let's go. You know, you're younger than me. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it. And I feel like that being in that environment actually fostered that inside of me. It fostered my work ethic. It fostered you know, my creativity. And then on, you know, on top of all that, I'm getting to eat some amazing food. Absolutely. You know, I'm getting to go Absolutely. to these places and mm-hmm. get the authentic cuisine of these places. And, 
it was amazing. Well, you know, you've told me a couple of stories here. Okay, you <laughs> you told me about your mom teaching you how to how to do, uh, just watching her because you really watched and had this amazing uh, option to view her. Just having a diverse kitchen menu, and then we talked about right. the Silver Sea in twenty eleven. Where did the education and the training come from? Well, originally I went to school in New Orleans. I went to the University of New Orleans, and I did naval architecture and marine engineering. So I was on a totally, <laughs> I was on a totally different path than what I'm on now. And um, when Hurricane Katrina happened, I was there, but I wasn't one of the people that actually evacuated. So I was there for four to five days during that entire ordeal. Like everything you saw on TV, that was what we were dealing with. Right. And I remember. Um, getting to Houston and staying the night and like sitting on the edge of my bed and just trying to figure out what happened, what just happened. Mm-hmm. And I got to Alabama and um, nothing seemed right. And I really didn't know what to do. And I knew I didn't want to go back to New Orleans. I didn't you know, want to pursue this career anymore. Um, while it was, you know, lucrative and, you know, I'm still creating, it wasn't making me happy. And I saw a lot of sadness. I saw a lot of death. That happened, mm-hmm. you know, during Katrina, and I just realized that, you know, life is too short to not be doing what you love, and, you know, I had to sit there and say, well, what do I love? What could I do every day and not get paid for it? And I was like, well, I love eating, and I love pastries, and I want to pursue this, so I actually went to culinary school um, right. in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm at the culinary, and that is where I got, like, my formal education, Same. and that's where it all really started for me in 2010. Good. Well, it's uh, was it's led to you uh, opening your own business called And for Desserts. That's a cool title. Yeah. And for desserts. And for dessert. Yeah. You know, exactly. All, every every waiter waitress always and for dessert. You like? You know, they always ask you mm-hmm. that. What do you want for dessert? You know, <laughs> off our menu. And you know, it's funny. That's exactly where that came from. That's exactly where it came from. I was on brainstorming with my friend one day. We were in the basement um, of my church that I was going to at the time, and. Um, I was like, you know what, I really want to open my own dessert restaurant. I don't want just, you know, a bakery. I want, you know, to be able to have, like, the things that I love and my favorite, which are appetizers, because I love appetizers. I love a good app. I really do. I could just eat, like, six, seven apps and, you know, call it a day. And then really good dessert and really good drink and really great ambiance. And she was like, well, what do you call it? I was like, I don't know, you know. And we started throwing stuff. And was like, you know, when you go there, like, one for dessert, you have this, like, style right there. And cool. for dessert. Cool. Now. Here's the thing. You've set me up for the show because you've shown me that, uh, you know, you had this little Southern background. You know, your mom kind of set the stage for you to be very open-minded. Then you went on this cruise line and you uh, had had all these different styles, all these different, uh, you know, Indian, Chinese, all these different desserts. Now, you're on a dessert show that you, that Food Network has launched, a competition show called Chop Sweets. Mm-hmm. Did it help you? Did your background help you? This, 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 especially the cruise line opportunity to help you and being able to provide. I know it's not the first competition show, but it is. It, right. it is kind of like the, uh, the, 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 what they say, the, 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 the top of the line. Mm-hmm. Chop, mm-hmm. chop, is the top of the line. You know, you come in with the dark <laughs> light, dun, 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 You know. Yep. <laughs> you, you, you walk in there, you know they got they suited up. They know they they know they this this the Oscar of uh, the Emmy Award yeah. winning chop. This it, this it right here. Were you, you intimidated at all, Amber? Basically. Were you intimidated at all? Were you just ready? You know, you were ready to get fired up about this. 
You know, honestly, I thought I was going to be intimidated, but, you know, I had to have a come to Jesus meeting with myself before it started. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you, you know, what I mean, you've been through so much. You, you've been tested. You've been tried. This ain't nothing. You got this. Either you're going to win or you're going to lose. Right. One of the two. Which right. one you want. You right. know what I mean? And mm. whatever you're going to do, go out there and leave it on the floor. Because those competition shows can be really nerve-wracking, you know, the way they do it. You got to do little separate interviews and repeat what you already oh, done. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of work. You got, like, you got like 30 people just looking at you, and that's all they're paid to do is just stand there and look at you. Right. <laughs> like, that in itself is, like, it, it's hard. And you got the cameras and, you know, certain places you can't walk, you know, like, right. you know, and then they want you to, you know, actually engage with your people where you're trying to focus. But, you know, I I was prepared for it. I was. When I lose, you know, everything that I've done in my career prepared me for that moment. It really did. You know, cruise ship, teaching me how to manage my time, you know, checking the clock, making sure I'm, you know, I'm on point. It taught me how to, you know, actually do my menu. You know, okay, I can do this, this, this. While I'm doing that, I'm going to do that. While I'm doing that, I'm going to do that. You know, you're multitasking. Um, and then it also and you know, and you, outside of the box. And you're a good talker too, so that really helps. You know, you got personality <laughs> that really helps. So, what's next for you, Amber Croom? Um, you know, honestly, my next step um, after opening my place is I want to do my own show. I'm not going to speak too much on it. But oh, okay. You know, you know, you're talking to one of the me. one of the biggest producers in television, Rashawn McDonald. And that's why we friends, Rashawn. You know that's why we friends. All right, there's Samantha. Okay. You know, look up a chair. Are, are you based in the Ham, or are you someplace else? The Ham was where you came um, from. Um, as it's where I'm from, but I'm currently living in Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, she up there, East Coast. Okay. Well, you know, I, I'm up there a lot, being DC. So I'm coming to DC next month. This month, in fact, I got us to meet in there. So maybe we can coordinate some things and 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 for sure because some things that you ran and that you talked about, I thought this would be a great television idea. So I like mm -hmm. to I'd like to connect that in your head because of the fact that you are a very very talented. Uh, artists, artists, as they say, I always tell people that, uh, you know, that, uh, food and it's just art that you eat. That's all I, it's just art that you look at. That's so pretty. Then you eat it, you know? Then yeah, you, exactly. You just eat it. And so, so you, 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 you can't tell us how it goes. When does this, when does the competition start? When does this start? When does the show airs? It, um, the first episode airs February 3rd at 10 PM, but my episode airs February 10th. 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Because, you know, that's the one I want, the February 10th one. I, I know yeah. there's a lot of people out there I should be promoting, but I'm only going to promote you because you're my friend. You're from the ham. Thank you're you. now living in Baltimore. <laughs> you know, you've, you've cruised the world. You've, you, you, you survived Hurricane Katrina. You, you yeah. went to my city, Houston. That's why I'm from Houston, so I felt kind of a little, a little something about you when you said you was in Houston feeling bad on the edge yep. of a bed. I went, wow. Okay. Houston's not that bad, yeah. but I realized that those challenges that you face in life make you, they shape you, and make you who the special person that you are. More importantly, they let you know that and you can be inspired to, to, to do great things for yourself. Thank you for coming on my show, yeah. Amber. And uh, February 10th, you know, they're going to hopefully send me a uh, banner so I can promote your appearance on the show. And I wish you good luck. And also know this is your home for anything you want to promote in the future because you just told me my business, uh, I'm doing some great things down the line, Rashawn. I want to change the game and put my name yep. in line for success. Please come back on one to make the conversation, okay? My next guest is a two-time Billboard 40 Under 40 power player. In his career, he has overseen the development of many notable artists and brands, including Anita Baker, 
Emily King, Corey Henry, Luke James, Michelle Williams, Miguel, Cooling the Game, Lecrae, Leon Thomas, festivals like Outside Lands Music Festival, and many more. He is an artist manager, founder of Culture Collective, and Culture Collective Records. Please welcome back to Money Making Conversation, my man, Jonathan Azur. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, man. Got a, it's a, hey, man the, the intro only gets bigger every time you come on the show. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I, I appreciate the, 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 the invite to, to be back on the show speaking with you. Well, you know, the great thing about uh, watching your brand and, and it's all about reinventing yourself. You know, you're doing this, this, this process and then all of a sudden you see an opportunity. But there's always a, a possibility that, that shift may not work. In the process of mm-hmm. how you're building your brand and, and leading talent, but also recognizing that you are a brand and a talent too, how do you separate the difference? I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've, I've always considered myself personally a brand, right? And, and you know, I, I, people ask me, what do you do? And I, and I usually say, well, I'm a marketer at heart. Right, but I'm an artist manager, right. and I apply that market that, that approach to marketing as it relates to my my deals with my clients, but also as it relates to myself as a brand. And I I, I used to always think about myself like a, a blank cereal box, right? right. Mm-hmm. Walking down the aisle of a grocery store, you know, what are the what are the things? What are the images? The colors? What's on the side of the packaging that is going to make somebody say, "I wanted, I want to buy that, or I want to do business with that person." And um, you know, I figure out what are the elements that make up. Jonathan Azu, what are the elements that make up Culture Collective? Mm-hmm. And I think about that packaging and the things that we want to apply to it. And that's all marketing. Yes. Right? That's all marketing. That's all brand development. Right. Um, and we apply, that, we apply that, same, that same approach to working with our clients as well as uh, ourselves. Well, you know, uh, the good thing about it, I know a lot of your clients. And uh, just a little side note, Anita Baker, giving you the best that I got. My wife and I got married on that song. That was our song at our wedding. So, you know, I always wanted to tell Anita, whenever I meet her, I'm going to hug and say, 32 years later, we still together, Anita. And your song, your song helped us out. And so, but, you know. Congrats to you then, by the way. Uh, thank thank you. Thank you. Uh, it really, I appreciate uh, what you're doing. Let's, let's, let's define what, uh, from uh, when I, my research. Uh, you founded Culture Collective in 2019. The importance of Culture Collective as regards to urban artists make up less than 1% of the client base at stations, uh, at top firms nationwide. So, just a drive to understand that that urban artists are underrepresented in a field that they they, they may dominate, and so that's what the basis absolutely. of your development, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, as, as somebody that sat at the top of major organizations and had an opportunity to look down at you know what what's what's coming up next, what, what's having a cultural impact, but then also who's working on it. I saw this massive lack of diversity and inclusion um, within the corporate ranks of these bigger companies. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, you look at the artists that are, that are the, 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 the trendsetters and laying the pavement in today's generation. And, you know, they look like us, right. And right. the people that are representing them do not, not that, that it's, it's necessarily a, a, a race thing, but ultimately from a culture perspective, you want to be able to look across the table and know that you're, that you're, you're, um, you know, somebody really connects with what, what you're doing. So I, I started Culture Collective with that mindset, the mission statement, where diversity and inclusion is how we think about who we work with and how we hire. Right. And my goal is to really, really have a well-represented set of team members that can sit with our clients and come up with the concepts and ideas to build their career. And that was the birth of Culture Collective. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. It's been almost a year. 
since we last spoke. Yes, sir. Uh, I joke that we, we still have that new car smell, <laughs> you know, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we're in, but we're, you know, we're having, we're having a lot of fun and, and being entrepreneurs, we get an opportunity to look at opportunity spaces that, um, that need to be filled. And within that, we, we have some clients that were in between record labels. Right. Uh, they didn't have partners to put out music, but they have very, very portion careers and touring and other, other aspects of what they were doing, but they just didn't have a partner put out music. And I started to look at why, why can't we put out that music? And what are the barriers and entries of us putting out that music? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we started culture collective records with that in mind. And, right. uh, we, we, we partnered with InGrooves, which is a universal company mm-hmm. to help make sure that our artist music is available across all digital service providers. And we work closely with their team on the marketing and promotion of those artists. And Luke James, who's a longtime client, is the first artist to be released through this new venture. Right. Um, his new album, To Feel Loved, was released on January 31st. Um, to Feel Loved, excuse me, was released on January 31st. And uh, we not only are the managers for Luke, but now we're probably the record label for Luke. Well, you know, the interesting part of why I maintain the relationship with you because of the visionary relationship that I feel that you're bringing to the industry. When you talk about the limited recognition of, you know, urban talent, African-American talent, or talent of color, how we participate, but we seem to be bottled in. You know, I know, I know that for a fact because I executive produced and create, co-created the Steve Harvey Morning Show and I was on there from 2000 to 2016. So I know how the music industry can, industry can play itself out. And what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, you know, we always get, Underrepresented, for instance, we have June as our Black Music Month. You know, June is Black Music Month. Okay, then you look at the Music Month for everybody else. You have the Grammys, you have American Music Award, you have Billboard, you have Howard Radio. We're not even talking about country and western. And then BET Music Award is basically our award show when we should have more. You know, we you know that's the area that I really want to start talking to you about. How can we get more visual representation in our award shows on television? Because that is necessary. We, we have to have more than just BET Awards. Am I mistaken when I say that, Jonathan? I, I agree. And I think it's interesting. It's an interesting point because I think that part of that more is our culture and in, in brands coming to life mm-hmm. um, in, in, in more ways than just, you know, our award show. I mean, BET Awards, I mean, one of the most coveted award shows Absolutely. Um, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Hip Hop Awards as well. And but when you look at the Grammys and AMAs and all these other shows, it's important for us to be able to have a presence within those environments too um, and not be underrepresented. And I think part of that is making sure that we do have people that represent our culture within the executive ranks of these companies so they can hire the right folks and be in the right room for these conversations to come to life. And this is about business because one of the big things about the Grammys this year was diversity. And uh, P. Diddy made a big deal on stage <laughs> doing his speech about diversity. Now, explain to people why it's important to have diversity in music behind, you know, behind the performance, behind the talent. I mean, so, I mean I'm going to go back to last Grammys because this is something that was, was, that was well talked about. Uh, not, right. not this past Grammys, not 2020, but 2019. Mm-hmm. And there was, a Motown, there was a Motown tribute. Right. That a lot of people had a lot to say about. And most of that was around the fact that we weren't well represented within that tribute. Okay. And, um, I think that sometimes that can happen if we don't have the right people in the room to make sure that our culture is really, really, uh, represented. Yeah. Um, the wrong so, people singing uh, Motown hits, right? The wrong, just because you're trying to get a hit, 
just don't just throw somebody out there singing something that's not that's not that they, they shouldn't be singing it. Correct. Yeah. Or or, or has no has no real tie <laughs> has no real tie to the to the to the history of Motown. Right. So you know, I, I, I think um, you know, I think it's, it's super important at the end of the day, and, and you know, creating culture collective is just my way of of, of helping to break that cycle um, and really develop the, the, the next executive. I mean, we focus a lot around hiring young talent and hiring interns and mentoring uh, right. the folks. I, I always say that the ways in, the ways into the world of Jonathan Azu and Culture Collective right. <laughs> are as high touch as negotiating um, deals, uh, partnering on, on deals, right. on doubts, to just inspiring each other. Well, you know, right? it's really, it's, really uh, it's so special when I talk to you, Jonathan, Jonathan and, and the fact that, you know, I am meeting and talking to so many minds like you, you know, whether it's a Charles King, and, uh, and Macro, and now he's starting a management division of his company, and you know, you're visionary, and and I know that this year we're all going to meet in the room because I because it's it's the, it's the, you know we we have to talk this conversation even what Byron Allen is doing you know you know he's talking about you know it's a, it's a group of people make a decision for everybody that don't look like everybody, and so and I'm not trying to turn this call into a uh, a war path call, but it's an information call about the fact that. If you really want to be successful in any business, you have to be allowed to participate. And so that's what you're trying to get, and that's what you're saying in starting the, the management firm that you have and what you've done all your life, correct? Yeah. You know, I, I recently, uh, on, on Martin Luther King Day, I got together um, about 20, the last-minute thing. You know, I, I was supposed to be traveling on that day. I thought I was actually be in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I went ahead and I shot out a, a, an email to about... 30 or so folks within my network, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, senior level executives at their company all down to, to interns and said, you know, I want to, I want to treat everybody to dinner. Let's get in a room, close the door and let's have a conversation how we can lift ourselves. Right. Right. Um, an open conversation. And it was a beautiful thing. And it's something that needs to happen more and not just on MLK day, but it needs to happen every single day. Right. Uh, for us to be able to share with each other the insights, guidance, knowledge that we have in the struggles of how we lift ourselves within entertainment. Cool. Um, uh, oftentimes, you know, one of the things that came out in that, in that conversation was people are like, well, it's not just in my head, you know, uh, this other, this other, you know, leading, leading voice in that space is, is, is experiencing the same challenges. So I'm not crazy. Right. Right. Uh, because when you're sitting in these environments and you're the only one of color, you often can get inside, <laughs> inside your own head and think that it's just me. Right. Cool. We're talking to Jonathan Azu. He's the founder of Culture Collective, started in 2019. And guess what? He's rolling with uh, partnerships he's created with InGrooves. We'll be back with more on Money Making Conversation. This is awesome. Again, collective minds, collective thoughts, generate success. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you are listening to Money Making Conversation. I'm talking to Jonathan Azu. Uh, he founded uh, Culture Collective uh, in 2019. And right now, I want to talk about the current artist roster that includes Emily King, Luke James, Leon Thomas, and my favorite person and good friend, Michelle Williams. Talk about your roster, and why are those particular people on your roster? Uh, you know, for me, I, I got into this business because I have a passion for it, and um, I was able to take a passion and turn it into a profession, and that includes the artists that I work with. I'm, I'm, fan. I'm a fan. Right. Everyone <laughs> I've ever worked with in my career, 
I've been a fan of. I've mm-hmm. never once worked with somebody that I was like handed. Right, <laughs> said, right, right. Work right. on this. I know you're not into it. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm passionately, passionately a fan. And each one of those artists that you mentioned um, are all always been on my playlist. Right. So it's exciting. It's exciting to be to, to be working with them. And it's exciting to experience growth. And you know, as you know, being a entrepreneur and successful business executive yourself, growth is a is a is a is a powerful world word. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, we develop a lot of really great blueprints and roadmaps to help to help help uh, help growth. Right. right, and that's from a bottom line standpoint. That's from an audience reach standpoint. That's from a streaming standpoint. It's from a ticket sales standpoint. Uh, and each one of those artists has had great growth over their their, their careers working with us. Well, it's really important that when I'm looking at your when I, when I introduced you, we was talking about your the brands that you've seen, overseen the development. Anita Baker, Emily King, and Luke James, Michelle Williams, Miguel, Cool in the Game, Lecrae. That's my man right there. So that's that's gospel, gospel. That's Miguel. That's hip hop. Cool in the Game. You know, there's R&B, Anita Baker, there's Sultry R&B. You know, okay, that's that's a love affair of music. That means your playlist is like you grooving and you're popping and then you're praising the Lord. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, you know, it's, again, it's, it's soul food in some form or fashion, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really, really important that. So, what do you see the direction of music? Like, I was at I was at NAPTI, that's the National Association of Television Programming Program Executives, and podcasts was just a rage. You know, we know streaming out there came out and it exploded, and uh, now podcasts is the rage of not just the audio version of, but the video version of podcasts is next level. With that, you'll you'll see that more and more being being spoken about because they realize the generation really don't care about an eighty five inch screen on the wall. They really don't. They care about what's in their hand. And right now, what's in hand is things they're willing to download, willing to play, willing to carry with them. What is the future of music in that in that particular era or that particular space, or does it stay the same? Yeah, I, I think you know, and then just to just to build on what you're saying, they want it when they want it, where wherever they're at, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, right. So, so if I, if I want to listen to a podcast. Uh, I don't. I don't want to have to to schedule it. I, if I want to, if I'm sitting on the bus on the way home, I can pull up on my phone, whether it be audio or visual. Right. Uh, at that time, that's the time that they want it, and it's almost like you know, music, music, and in and in streaming music really was the leader in that behavior, that adoption, that behavior. Of, you know, you know what I want, what I want, when I want. Right. Um, and now you see me start that to layer through other forms of media. Um, as far as you know, you know, music streaming is obviously beginning to, to have an aggressive growth. When it first came into into to fruition, um, you know, there was a lot of different companies trying to figure out streaming, and I always felt that once it was all said and done, there would be a handful left, right? You know, maybe a few. Mm-hmm. It was we're proving that to be the case between Amazon, iTunes, and Spotify, and now we kind of have the three, the big three, for the most part. Um, there's a couple other smaller ones within that that those, that fourth and fifth and sixth position, but ultimately this is how people consume music. And now you're starting to see, you know, as uh, you know, as 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 older older audiences get older and younger yes. artists start to come into the consumption mix, right? Streaming will only get bigger and bigger. You know, it's really interesting. I, saw, I look at your resume. I see it's t- you're tied to festivals. Are you tied to festival as a person who supplies talent or as a producer? So I, I uh, after many years working in radio myself, uh, I went over to a company called Superfly, 
which was a which was a group of of, of guys that graduated in Tulane that had come up with the concept of putting a large scale right. music festival together uh, in the United States that was built off of the Glastonbury. Right. So what what happens when you when you drop sixty, seventy, eighty thousand people into a, a field and you build multiple stages and multiple experiences within that environment right. and live on, live on that property for that, that site for, for three to four days. Mm-hmm. And that was the birth of Bonnaroo. And I went in to work with the team that actually put that festival together. I wasn't on the talent buying side. I was more on the operational side, but all aspects of the festival fall underneath operations. So we had a very, very good preview of, 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 of talent and who's coming up. One of the funner things that, that I do around my house is, I have all the old posters mm-hmm. from all the shows that we produced, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, you know, you know, billing for for a show is always a fight <laughs> of like who's at the top of the poster, who's at the bottom of the poster, right? Right, right. Um, right. And it's interesting to look at the bottom of the poster in some of these previous years, and looking at the artists that are down there uh, that have now, you know, arrived to the top of the, the top of the list, you know, <laughs> in two thousand and twenty. Yeah, like Miguel, I, I, way back in, yeah, you exactly. know what I'm saying, wow, he, I think uh, Drake uh, about to break his record or something on, on, on Airplay or something like that. It's really That's amazing. Funny. When, 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 when the first tour I, I did with, with Miguel, uh, I can't remember the year, but Miguel was direct support to Drake, right? So mm-hmm. Drake was the headliner. It was, it was a Would You Like a Tour right, tour, right. Drake, and Drake was the headliner. Miguel opened, and Future... Was the uh, was the was the first act? It <laughs> so, has to shake out. Oh my God! Well, you know, it's, it's, that's the beauty of of seeing the beginning and watch it come to the end, or watch the path of growth, and you go, you know, because you know everybody has that hustle, that hustle, that hustle. And you like I I I met Miguel because it's out of L.A. when we were, Steve and I was doing local radio, hip hop, and R and B. When he was when he was when he when he was fi- trying to find his voice, getting his music out there. And I look at him now, I go, wow. It's been that many years, and he still got the passion to win. He still has the passion to say, "I'm going to be number one. I'm going to be successful." That's a drive. When you when you manage talent, I always tell people like right now, I'm managing Stephen A. Smith. You know, for many years, people have known me to actually 16 or 20 years. I managed Steve Harvey and built his brand to a media, media international media brand. But it's a lot of work when you manage talent. A lot of people don't understand that. Talk about your version or your skills or are the things that you put in place so you can manage the different talent that you have? Yeah, I think for me, you know, it, I, I'm at an inter- interesting intersection because I spent many years in, in media, you know, do, you know I, was, I was essentially doing label relations um, and developing interesting partnerships for CBS radio corporately. So we had 180 radio stations, 50 program directors. And then I leave that world and I go into the live event festival business when festivals were just really t- starting to take off in the United States, right? We were, we were pioneers in that space, and now you see a lot of festivals out there, but we were the first to be there. And then to jump over and help help to run Red Light, which, you know, eventually became one of the biggest management companies in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this, like, I'm actually at this interesting intersection where I had the ability to be able to go in there and work with artists, and when things come up as relates to their career, I'm one phone call away from you know, you know, figuring something out in the live event space, in the media right. space, technology space, or the managers. I've, I've been around there. I've been around all these places. So one of the things that I always try to bestow upon the young executives that work on my team is let's get you as diversified as possible, right, in your skill set right. and your ability to be able to um, speak from a strong standpoint of various topics of business because you have experience within those worlds. And you mentioned it. You said, I hear you, radio, you know, red light. You talk about management. 
which means you see contracts, which means you, you're dealing with uh, decision-making situations. When you talk about the festivals, you talk about the operational end. You know, that, those, those things like, uh, really help you out. I'm a sitcom writer, just myself. I'm a stand-up comic, so I understand talent. I'm the go- I manage shows. I produce shows. So when I walk in a room, there's a lot of information that I can absorb rapidly and make decisions associated with it. And that's all you're saying to young people as they come into or being mentored by you. The more you know, the more diversified your palate is for information that you've absorbed through experience, that's how you have longevity in this business and respect in this business. Correct, Jonathan? That's absolutely right. You know, that's absolutely right. And, and respect is a big thing. I mean, you want to, you know, you know co- conduct and character and respect ultimately. That's all businesses, but especially within entertainment, especially as a minority with entertainment, you want to make sure you preserve that in the best way possible. So conducting yourself in the most positive upbeat, respected, professional manner possible, mm-hmm. you can do nothing but grow. Well, that's your approach. Well, my great, my friend, just recap a little bit about your partnership with InGroove before we wrap up the interview. Uh, that you, you have Culture Collective Records, you have a partnership with InGroove. Talk to us about, again, why was that launched in that manner and what's the future? Yeah, Luke, so Luke James is a, is a client that we've worked with for, for many years and Luke um, was, was a former major label artist and for various reasons had left the Island Records um, uh, label, which is a major record label, and here, here he was sitting with a, a, a bank of beautiful music to put out and nobody to partner with to do it. Um, and, you know, we're, as his managers, dealing with him on a daily basis on developing his roadmap and his career. So, well, what if we just develop a strategic relationship and let's we'll put the music out? We'll, we'll be the label, right? Right. Um, and I, I, I've done some work with injuries in the past, a lot of great success with them. And when I sat with them and launched Culture Collective a little less than a year ago, I went over to their offices and shared the vision and the mission statement of the company. They thought it was great. They thought it was very much needed in the business. And at the same time, they said, if there's any way in which we can be helpful um, to you or your clients, we should have a larger conversation. And that was, you know, the, the, the birth of our first, uh, uh, you know, you know, brainstorms around coming together to develop a pipeline for us to be able to put music out through their system. So uh, fast forward eight months later, you know, Luke James is right. putting out his release through the, the Ingrid Universal pipeline into digital service providers. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the, we are the, you know, working with Ingrid, um on all aspects of this release. And uh, it's been great. It's awesome. been a great, great relationship. Awesome. As always, articulate, informative, and uh, spewing out the knowledge we all need to hear. Jonathan Azul. Thanks for coming back on Money Making Conversation. We talk again. Let's say another six months. Is that cool? Absolutely. I appreciate you, brother. Talk soon. Bye-bye. My next guest currently is a motivational speaker, author, patented inventor, and an award-winning behavioral therapist for over 16 years, and an entrepreneur. He recently launched an apparel company called Gangster Mindset, LLC, that is redefining the word gangster with a positive spin. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Dr. Mark D. Baxter. Ah, thank you. Thank you. It's truly <laughs> a pleasure and an honor to be here. I appreciate you, uh, Mr. Rashawn. It's always a pleasure. Well, awesome, my friend. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the LinkedIn, LinkedIn uh, Social Media Society, so I get a chance to watch your videos. I'm yep. motivated. Uh, I find them entertaining. I find them. Uh, uh, I could never do them because you, you know, you're very active. <laughs> you're very active in your in your in your video video. Explain that technique yes. that you developed in the, in your videos. 
Well, I, I, first of all, thank you. And, and when it comes to the videos, uh, it's, it's all passion. It's all purpose to me. I got to drop a name for you. Paul Brunson. Yes, sir. He recently moved to the UK, has the um, relationship show, was picked up by own years ago, and it, it put him on a, a great path. I was in a mastermind group with Paul, and he said, Mark, your power, your energy is amazing, but you got to get it out to the world. So he said, in today's era of social media, you just got to let it all out. And that led me to start doing videos, and I was standing still. He said, Mark, that's not enough. You're too powerful. Start walking around. And then when I was in Atlanta, I was at John Hope Bryant's Hope Global Forum. And that was the first one I did walking around. And he said, that's good, Mark. I feel it, but it's another level. And, and, and listen, Mr. Rashawn, when I started putting that video camera down and just started letting God use me naturally, that's what you see today, and that's what's bringing everyone in the world that's taking notice. Well, I take notice. I, I showed it to my staff. Uh, I told them, I said, this, I held up, I said, this is the guy I want on my show right here. Mark, look, <laughs> look at him. This guy right here. Look how he moves back. He, he runs to the camera. He goes back. He makes that statement, and he steps back. I said, he does it everywhere. He can, be, he can be on the street. He can be in the parking lot. He can be in front of a building. I just love the fact <laughs> that you're saying you're willing to take your, your message wherever it needs to be heard. That's basically what you're saying in your videos, correct? I am definitely saying that. And here's the thing. See, I get motivated when I can motivate others. God set me up. And see, what happens is that this is the only thing that's this liberating for me. It's liberating. I've been holding that power in for so long. And now, I, and you know, we'll get into other uh, questions later, but I made millions and lost it all, but now I'm in alignment with my purpose. Right. So now I'm able to do things like this video and just let all the power out because mm -hmm. my job is to take the power that's in me and transfer it to the people of the world. Well, uh, well you do. You caught my eye and I, I find you <laughs> because I feel, you know, when you when you're in this business, it's a competitive business. OK, motivation, yes. inf information and, you know, what, what separates you, what catches a person's eye and, and, and allows them to share your views. And that's the whole thing in social media. You know, you're a marketing and branding machine. And so what's your hook? What's your take on it and how you can grow your brand? And basically what you're doing and in, in developing this technique, I find it. Uh, I, I, com I congratulate you on that. And one of the reasons I'm a fan is because I know that's tied to a plan, a plan of action, correct? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it's definitely tied to a plan of action. And again, you know, um, and it's how ironic we're in uh, Black History Month. And right. um, what happened is, you know, Martin had a dream. We all know that. Absolutely. But I also had a dream at the age of 15. In fact, I had the same dream each and every night for an entire year. And this is what it looked like. I'm talking about when I wake up and fall back to sleep, the dream continues. When I go to sleep the next night, the dream continues for an entire year. So, so Mr. Rashawn, as I stand on your show and I sit and I spill my heart out to you and to the audience, I'm here to tell you that that dream is coming true right here, right now. So I'm a testament that life is real. You can create your own life. We're on a delayed gratification scale. That's why your life is created by how you think, how you feel, and how you respond to situations. I'll say it again. Your life is created by how you think, how you feel, and how you respond to situations. Well, well, well Mr. Baxter, you have not failed me so far in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> now, your book here, uh, How to Be One with Your Greatness. Before we get into the book, I have one question. Uh, what yeah. is your greatness? 
my greatness, and, 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 I, and this is a great question. In fact, I was talking to a couple friends the other day, and my view of greatness is that greatness is in the eye of the beholder, meaning that everyone's greatness may look and feel different. That's why we're all made distinctively different. And here's how you know, because that fingerprint that you walk around with, that DNA is unmatchable. You can search the whole world, but there's no one that can specifically match your fingerprint. So that's basically what my greatness is. It's to come in total alignment with that fingerprint, with that uniqueness that I was created to be. So in doing that, and I'm kind of getting into the book a little bit, but you got to come in alignment with your truth. Right. And so, so therefore, you got to first learn what your truth is, because what life does, it forces things on you. So it forces education, all these other things on you. But the true, true definition of education is not systematic knowledge to go out and make other people wealthy. True uh, definition of education is, not, is development from within. So we're already wired for greatness. But when we come into this world, they bombard you with other aspects of what you have to do. And oftentimes we, we put up these artificial layers to try to suffice all of these things that are coming at us in life. When the truth of the matter is that you're already wired for greatness, you just got to resist the external and believe in what's inside. My man, we're talking to Mark D. Baxter, uh, author of How to Be One with Greatness, You Were Born to Be Great. This book, uh, I read it. I always, what I, when I do, when I bring authors on the show, I always read the book the day of, you know, like so I get up early, I read it, so everything stays real fresh. And there were some really key moments in your growth, you know, of five, six, nine, the early years, you know, that were defining. And the reason I bring that up because it's important to understand that you can be shaped so clean in those early years. And a lot of people don't understand how important it is to start really, you know, putting a proper imprint on the kid because those memories can carry you to adulthood as it has you because it's, it's written in your book. When you were five years old, when your brother Tony walked you down to your School for the first time. You was excited, and then he just let you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a traumatic. It was a traumatic experience. And what you you said it, uh, Mr. Rashawn. You said it. We are all a product of our home, our environment, yes. and our experiences. Yes, we are all products of our home, our environment in our experiences and whatever you choose to do back in the day nwa say mix it in a pot like gumbo so however you mix it in your pot and whatever recipe you come out with is what you have to deal with see i was challenged with a lot of adversity early on in my life and throughout my life because i understand for whom much is given much is required right. and see you got to change your perception of adversity adversity is not bad adversity is nothing more than growth opportunities because the only way you can grow is by being challenged. So you got to change the way you look at adversity. And that's what my life has taught me. Early on in my life, I'm from, I'm from a very dysfunctional household. Right. I have a mom that didn't finish uh, high school. She's from South Carolina, had to grow up really, really hard. And I have a dad that only went to the sixth grade from Savannah, Georgia. And they both migrated here to Philadelphia and, 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 and created a relationship. And don't get me wrong. Uh, God rest my dad and my mom. I lost my dad on June 8th of 2018. I lost my mom on June 20th of last year, 2019. God rest their soul. But the truth of the matter is that, you know, I'm a realist. They should have never been married. You know, they created a, I, I love my siblings and I'm thankful for being created. But, you know, you got to call a spade a spade. Now, right. Growing up in that household, it was very 
traumatic. Right. I mean, they slept in separate rooms, threatened to kill each other every day, blah, blah, blah. And then we were in the hood. We were from poverty. Right. And then on top of that, <laughs> and so, so, so everything is just reinforcing the negativity. Right. And then on top of that, I was the youngest. Mm-hmm. And I had all of this drive and all of this insight inside of me. And I had no outlet to let it out. No so mentors. No mentors. No, no mentors. You know, that came later on and I found refuge through football and in church. It saved my life and I poured all of my pain into it. And henceforth, it got me a scholarship to college in football. And I got a tremendous relationship with God because I didn't settle. You know, you got a choice. I mean, listen, adversity comes free, but you got to fight to secure the blessing. Every adversity comes with an equal, if not greater blessing. Mm -hmm. The adversity will find you free, but you got to fight to secure the blessing. Mm -hmm. And the difference is that us, especially as a people, we become comfortable with simply surviving as if you get a reward for surviving. No, it's admirable to survive, but it's time that we start to thrive. So you got to push the issue to thrive to get to those blessings. Right. And that's what I just learned how to do. And that's what I'm showing the world how to do. Well, you're doing it on a, uh, first of all, you're successful. And you caught my attention. Thank you. That's why you're on Money Making Conversation. I'm talking to Mark D. Baxter, the author of the book, How to Be One with Greatness. You were born to be great, motivational. He's honest. Uh, Mark, do you have a YouTube channel? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. It's, it's in my name, Mark Baxter. Mark Baxter. And so yes. so all yes. the videos that I see on um, LinkedIn are stored on um, your your YouTube channel. YouTube. Absolutely. I have over two. Uh, I have hundreds of videos on YouTube. I haven't counted in a year, but I, I'm, I'm very, very active on YouTube. My daily videos on YouTube. In fact, I've been doing videos on YouTube for years. Right. It's just that I've, I've picked it up. I've had great people around me, right. you know, Paul <laughs> Brunson to give me advice. You know, mm-hmm. I'm on, you know, the Rashad McDonald show. So it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm getting people around. You know what I mean? Listen, I, success is closing in on me. I can't lose. Hey, you can't lose. So, uh, I'll tell you something, Tim Martin. You cannot lose because of the fact that, first of all, I'm going to tell you something, man. I appreciate you. That's what Money Making Conversation is all about. First of all, individuals who, will, who are willing to share their stories so everybody can find that the path can be relatable, okay? Because, right. you know, you can see that journey. You can see superstars. You can see millionaires. You can see big cars. You can see bling. Basically, it was always played out in music videos. Now it's being played out in social media because people post their best. Nobody play, posts their tragic. Everybody wants to post their best clothes, the best plate of food, you know, the best vacation experience. You know, they sit in front, they stand in front of a car. They might not even own that car, but they're standing in front right. of it. You know, so they're presenting that image to you. And so, right. so you are you are a guy who's sitting in the middle of all that. You know, okay, like it's like peeping through the curtains. And guess who's on the other side? Mark. Waiting on there. Say, come on over here. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that's why I started Money Making Conversation. We're going to come back in our next break and get in more detail on this book. I hope you're enjoying the, the, the interview here, Mark, because I'm so happy you came on my show. Uh, I follow him on LinkedIn, uh, and uh, he's spectacular on LinkedIn. He, he uh, motivates me every week with his videos, with his energy. As you hear in this interview, is incredible. We'll be back with more Money Making Conversation with my man, Dr. Mark Baxter. We'll be right back with more. From Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversations. I host this show to bring individuals on the show that can uh, give you information on how to be successful. I know their life is different. Their path to success is different. But they will share with you nuggets of information that will allow you to understand that your path, your dreams can be achieved. Uh, one of the true uh, and 
inspirations of this whole technique of seeking your greatness or accepting your greatness is on the phone with me today. He has a very successful book out called How to Be One with Greatness. You were born to be great, uh, Dr. Mark D. Baxter. Mark, how you doing today, my friend? Oh, I'm doing excellent, Mr. Rashad. And listen, it's such a pleasure to be here, and I want to thank you again for having me. Well, great. Um, I, I was talking about, we, we kind of dipped in a little bit when, you know, like, I love the fact that, you know, you just told an honest story about your home life, but it was these, these little slices of life that uh, stories or experiences that you provide in your book, like like dealing with issues, how we how we will hide and how we will shield, how we tend to stop ourselves, like like expecting something to happen. And then when it doesn't have that, happen that way, how do you deal with it? And that was that simple walk to school. When your brother Tony was taking you, you thought he was going to walk you all the way to school, and you was having a good time. You know, you was barely keeping up with him, <laughs> your little short legs, and he was just—he was just walking normal. You know, wasn't even looking at you. You was just trying to keep up, and then you just—you just say a word or two. You thought this was going to be like a big brother, little brother conversation. He's going to just tell you about life on the way, and he barely spoke to you. And then when you was almost almost out of school, he just pointed at it. You—you you got it from here. I got you. Now, oh, man. but that's what life is about, though, because a lot of people, they, they get on a job. They think the job is going to go this way. And then right. when, the, when the job throws them the curve, how they how they deal with it is the next step on how they're going to be successful. That's what I took away from that story. You walk into school with an expectation your brother's going to take you to the front door of that school. And he didn't. How you dealt with it along the way for the rest of your life really is who you are today. You're 100% right. And, and, and I thank you for the, for the analogy you use with social media and things. I say the same thing. Uh, everybody proclaim their own goodness. It's a perfect place to reinvent <laughs> yourself. But no, you're, you're, you're 100% right. It's all about which, how you handle the situations that you're faced with. And when my brother was walking me to school, um, again, you were perfect. You were in, in your uh, analysis of me thinking it's going to be a big brother and little brother uh, interaction. I rarely saw him. He was uh, about 16 years older than me. I was the youngest, and it's a big gap in between us. And this was individual time. And then when he left me, but what I had to realize, and this is what I encourage us all to do, the first person you have to look at in any situation is yourself. Right. Because all of the answers to life's problems are in the mirror. And what I realized at a young age is that I misled my older brother. See, any situation that you're a part of, there's something that you got to learn, even if it seems like it's not your fault. Like, if it seems like you're 100% innocent, there's still something you got to learn or else you wouldn't have never been encountered the situation. So when I had to look in the mirror, I realized that I created that situation because I used to act tougher than I really was. You see, because I had these older brothers that were cool and fly, I used to act that way too. I act more mature. I had some pride in there. Right. And because of that pride is what my brother caught on to. He, he felt those vibrations. And in his mind, he didn't feel like he was doing anything wrong. He felt like he may have been doing me a favor because I was, pro I, I, I was projecting as if I was more mature than I really was. So I had to look in the mirror first to acknowledge how could I do different or what, how can I change my behavior in order to get a different result? And right. that set the tone for the rest of my life. And I realized I used to question God all the time because I didn't just have little things happen to me. I had big things happen to me. Like I didn't just break an arm. I broke my femur bone, the biggest bone in your body, your side bone. Right. So I had to be in a body cast for like three to six months. I had to learn how to walk all over again. 
So I, I didn't just have little stuff happen to me. And I used to always question, you know, God, why me? Why me? I didn't ask for my mom not to like me. I didn't do anything. Right. I didn't ask for her to, 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 do, to do anything in her power to try to tear me down. You're the one that I look to. You're, you're my point guard. Right. You're my go-to person. <laughs> right. You're my quarterback. Right. You know what I mean? But what I realized about life is that that was just life challenging me to be my best self. And now that I was able to, to meet those challenges that where they are, and I mentioned earlier, every adversity comes with an equal, if not greater, blessing. Correct. The adversity comes free, but you got to fight to secure the blessings. And I'm just one that fights to secure my blessings, and now I'm just trying to help other people to fight to secure theirs. Well, my man, that's exactly what I have you on this, just to tell my fans and my listeners, or people who are listening for the first time, because it also plays out on my YouTube channel. We might just click on your your photo and, and say, wow, because I wanted to share your values. You know, this book that you've written, How to Be One with Greatness, You Were Born to Be Great. Where can we buy this book at, Mark? Well, the book is in Amazon. I mean, I, I published it through um, uh, the book, Essence, Essence mm. Publishing. Yes, sir. Um, and or you can email me directly, and I'll ship it out to you. Absolutely. You know, I'm at M. Baxter at markbaxter.com. That's mbaxter, B-A-X-T-E-R, mm-hmm. at markbaxter.com. Um, you can also hit my website mark at www.markbaxter.com and just shoot me an info or whatever. But I'll get it to you. Um, because, Absolutely. And I appreciate you, Mr. Rashawn, because it's all about uh, awareness. You know, a lot of people need exactly what I have, just like we all need each other. But we don't know, you know, so we have to keep expecting and having a desire for better. It's all about your desire. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a desire for better, better is not going to come your way. Right. You know, so that's it's awesome. all about your desire. And uh, let's yeah, talk so about that. Let's talk about the uh, business side of you. You, we know you're a great motivator. We know you, yes. your passion about your, your, your reminding people that your past do not allow your past to determine your future. Your destiny is tied to your effort. Now you have a business that you, I wanted to bring up the apparel company called gangster mindset LLC that is redefining the word gangster with a positive spin. Talk about that. Absolutely. Like I've always, um, you know, I've always had a desire being from the inner city, from poverty and things like that and coming out being a, being a man of character and integrity, you know, not perfect, but as pure of a heart as you'll find, you know, I realized that, you know, it's all about growth and development. You know, it's all about growth and development. So you got to put yourself in the best position so you can continue to grow and develop. And that's all, that's all that I do. Right. And that's all that I aspire other people to do. So Empowerment Unlimited is a company for individuals, businesses, and the entire world. And uh, it's, it's about coaching and consulting from a mindset and leadership perspective. So I have a, a mindset uh, methodology program that I use to take people and master themselves because I have a personal quote. Once you master yourself, life has no choice but to forever bow down to you. I'll say it again. Once you master yourself, life has no choice but to forever bow down to you. And here's why. Because the world is all fake, as you just mentioned, social media. But yourself, you have, you're wired with greatness and authenticity. So when you master that, the world can't touch you. So in my company, I raise businesses, individuals, to levels unimaginable. Right. You know, Gangster Mindset Apparel was the clothing company I just dropped. And what it means is boldness, excellence, and uniqueness. So every day I do a video and I give three steps on that video. The last step is always 
you got to develop a gangster mindset, and I give a different description of what gangster mindset is. In fact, today's video, the third point is you got to develop a gangster mindset, a mind bold enough to believe that life is always happening for you and not to you, regardless of what it may look like or feel like. My man. Woo! Okay, you know you got me fired up, right? More. You got me fired up. Hey, that's the hey, fired I, up. I, Mr. Rashawn fired up. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> accomplished. Thank you very much. Well, you know, the beauty, first of all, you know it's not the last time on my show. Because I don't reach Thank out you. to people because I have a vision. I'm a, people have called me a visionary. I see things and I talk to people and these conversations, a lot of people call me their uncle. And uh, you, you can come into the Rashawn McDonald Uncle Club because of the fact that right. I, I want to be there for you. You know, if you ever want to call and uh, I give you my cell, uh, if you want to call and say, Rashawn, what do you think about this? I, I, it's about, not about me making money. It's about making sure you that you're getting the advice from I, a successful person who's had many right. paths out there. And, and, and many, uh, some people call me a renaissance man because I'm able to rechange myself. I'm able to reinvent the, the, the process of that path. I see an opportunity. Uh, what I do not do, Mark, is, is think about it. I go for it. Right. And I, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. Is Rashawn over there thinking? No, I think he's over there digging the ditch now. <laughs> I think he's already laying the concrete to the foundation for his next house. I think that's what you're doing. So when you talk right. about look, before we get off there, when you say you contribute most to, to business success, can you give us a, some nuggets on what you mean when you say that statement? Oh, man, listen, business success is nothing more. See, before you got a business, you got an individual. All a team is is a group of individuals. Right. And what, what makes it a team is the commitment to the common goal. Right. You see, so in order to have a successful business, you got to first have a successful why. You got to know your why. Why do you want this business? Who are you serving? Why do you want to serve that population? And as Damon John says, I've been a, a rising grind ambassador, and now I'm a, a, a power shift ambassador for Damon John over the last two years. Mm -hmm. And his main thing is know your target audience. Who are you selling to? So you got to know your why. Like, why do you want to get this product or this service out? And then you got to know who wants the service and product. And then you got to find creative ways to put it in their hands. Make them friends, make them, you know, right. customers. And you right. got to, and, and that's what you have to do. And you got to constantly reinvent yourself. See, the reason when Puffy and Damon John broke up, you know, I mean, not Puffy, when JC and Damon, and Damon, uh, I said Damon John, when Puffy and Damon Dash broke up, right. you know, from Rockefeller, you know what I mean? And Jay-Z said, okay, you may, you may hold, make another hold in his record. See, so, so what happened is that, uh, Jay-Z was able to reinvent himself. Yes. Now you see billionaire Jay-Z. See, this game is about reinventing yourself because things constantly change. Life is about evolution, constant change. So if you think you can stay the same and continue to rise and elevate, you're wrong. So in order for you to be successful in life and in business, you got to, one, you got to know your why. Yes. To the, to the depth of it, you got to know your why. Why are you doing it? Why are you want to be successful? Who can you help? And then you got to know who... Who are you going to help? Who's, who likes your product? Who wants your product? Who needs your product or service? And then you got to find creative ways to make them want it and need it over and over and over again while Love not it. being afraid Love it. to dive in and reinvent yourself. I'm talking to Dr. Mark D. Baxter, the author of the incredible book, How to Be One with Greatness. You were born to be great. Mark, thank you for coming on my show, Money Making Conversations. The pleasure's all mine, man. I thank you so much from the depth of my heart. And we will talk soon, my friend. Keep winning, and uh, I keep watching those videos, so you better not stop, okay?
I, I can't stop, won't stop. That's the puppy one for you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>